great hymn verse there to, to celebrate the fact that in Epiphany, God has come among us and, and the King shall reign forever. Last week, this week, to hear the Christmas message and how great it is, what it means for us as we take a look at Epiphany. There's some uh, notes if you want to follow along, page six and following in your service folder. And if you're looking for the discussion questions, you know, if you have those later, uh, you sit with your family maybe and have dinner together and discuss the the sermon and what it means, how it applies, uh, or if you discuss that with some friends ever. Those are not printed out in the service folder. I just printed those out on the side and you can grab a copy of those. I didn't know quite how many people were using them, and so I'm kind of curious to see how many people actually want them. And if you want to grab a copy of that, you can do that, or just grab them off, off the internet and pull them up on your phone there on the, uh, when you hop on our website. So this morning we'll be taking a look at Matthew chapter 2, and you can uh, follow along in God's Word if you'd like with me. Let's begin and hear God's Word with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glory that you revealed to us in Epiphany. Pray that I, as your servant, would let your glory shine to your people this morning. Do not let me stand in the way of your people, seeing that power, that majesty, and that glory. Rather, let it be clearly seen before their very eyes. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what was the best gift you gave somebody else this Christmas? You know, not asking what's the best gift you got, that's maybe an, an, an easy one. What's the best gift you gave somebody else this Christmas? Take a minute and think about that, and then uh, tell the person in front of you. Tell the person in front of you. And if you're in the front row, you can walk around to the back row, if you'd like, and tell them. You know, some of you might need to stretch your legs, right? I sit too much, i got to stretch, so you can get up and tell the person in the back, or you can just turn around and tell the person right behind you. So, tell the person in the row in front of you. I let you get away easy most of the time and just tell the person right next to you. Tell the person in the row in front of you. What's the best gift you gave this Christmas? Nobody wanted to get up and walk around, huh? It's too bad. Next time. Next time. Maybe if I make everybody get up, then we'll all do it, huh? I don't know. I, I kind of stunk at gift-giving this year. I'm not sure why. I might, I might have been in a daze a little bit or something like that. Um, most years, I'm actually pretty good at gift-giving. I have this habit. I, I, throughout the year, I keep a, a note, a list file of, of all the things that my wife and my kids say they want, and I write it down, you know, and so they'll say something in February, and I come back in December, and I can just, yeah, that's what you wanted, right? And they're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's the best, right? Uh, but this year, I don't know. I, I had a one-track mind. I wanted to get my kids a BB gun, and then when it didn't work out, um, I, I think I just got stuck. I couldn't think of anything else, and so my gifts, my gifts were really bad this year. What about you? What's the best gift you gave somebody this Christmas? This is the magic of Christmas. It's the wonder of Christmas. Uh, if you get the Christmas message, you will be a great gift giver. You really will be. Uh, and, and guys, that even applies to you. I know that sometimes, you know, as a guy, giving gifts is hard. But if you get the magic and the wonder and the beauty of Christmas, you will be this a, a wonderful gift giver. You know, in Christmas, Jesus is the best gift ever to us. He is literally the cradle that rocked the world. And then God says to us, you can be my son. 
You, you have the rights, uh, the inheritance, the privileges of, of being a son of God, and, and this is something that you can experience, as we heard last week. Our, our status as sons and daughters, our adoption to sonship is, is a real experience. The, the, the Spirit is in us so that we cry out, Dad, Father, I, I love you, and I love to be your child. And, and when you get the the magic and the wonder and the reality of Christmas, it so changes uh, your, your entire orientation. I, I think we can say it changes your religion. I don't know if you've ever noticed, um, people will say to me, the only time I think people really use the word religion anymore is when they say, I switched to the, the Lutheran religion, uh, you know, or I switched to the Baptist religion. And and they're, they're using the word wrong. Um, I always chuckle a little bit because that's not the way to, to use the word. What they mean is I switched to the Lutheran confession or the Lutheran denomination, you know, but those are big three-syllable words that nobody uses anymore. Uh, and so we always say I switched to the Lutheran religion. But they're on to something that is so, so amazing or, or just a great little insight uh, in that say, what, what they mean is they found a... Uh, a, an idea, a set of beliefs and, and desires and symbols that have totally changed their world. They've reoriented their life in a, a new direction. And they're saying what Scripture says. They're saying what the Bible says. Uh, you probably have, have heard or maybe you're familiar with the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul says, religion that is good is to take care of the widows and the orphans in their distress. And what's he getting at there? He's saying that if you get Christmas and you get Good Friday and you get Easter, you get the wonder of what Jesus did, that reorients your life so that you can say, I get from God and I give to the world. Um, or, or the James, the brother of Jesus, he puts it this way. He says that religion uh, that is, is good is to, uh, for a uh, children and grandchildren to care for their widows uh, if, and if they've lost their husbands. Um, and probably the most famous time or the most well-known time when we hear this is the Apostle Paul, who always said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's, you're not going to hear that message walking through Meyer. Uh, or, or walking through Walmart, looking at all of those beautiful Christmas displays. I mean, they're nice, but, but God is going to tell you, if you've got the greatest gift, how can you not help but let your whole life get turned around? And this is what happens when you and I get our religion right. Our, our lives get turned around. So let's, let's do this with God today. Let's see what happens when we get our religion right. That's what uh, God is getting at with the Magi here. He starts out in this verse 1 and 2 of Matthew chapter 2, and he says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And what we've got here is the first marks of religion. These are some educated individuals coming from Persia, maybe from Babylon, and they've come to see, uh, to inquire about the, the baby Jesus. And you can see the marks of religion in them. They've got a belief. What's their belief? A king has been born. 
and a king has been born. That's their, that's their belief. See, some people believe that uh, kings are made, don't they? Uh, Caesar Augustus was not born a king. He, he made himself into a king. King Herod, who they're going to talk to, he was not born a king. He was made a king. Um, and there's lots of other examples in, in history. But then other people believe that kings are born. You know, Charlemagne, he was born to be uh, a king. Um, or Frederick II of Prussia, the, the, the king from a couple hundred years ago. Queen Victoria. These were examples of people who were born to be kings and queens. And that's the belief that these magi have. Somebody is born to be a king. And they want to express that belief. They've got a, a desire. What's their desire? We've come to worship him. They, they want to express it in, in worship. You know, I, you probably remember, I remember, I'm thinking, because I've been watching Star Wars too much lately. Um, do you remember that scene where C-3PO in A New Hope drops into the middle of the Ewoks? And, and what do they do? Hum. Right? They all start humming and they, they bow down to, to worship him. So, you know, what, what, is, what does religion look like? It looks like worship. It, it flows out of our hearts and we say that this is the, the highest good in our lives. And that religion always has certain physical forms or symbols, doesn't it? What were the, the forms, the symbols of religion for the Ewoks? They, they put C-3PO on a throne uh, they were going to offer a sacrifice. They were going to burn the, uh, the other people in his party as a sacrifice to, to see a three-peel. You know, and you've got these magi here, and they've got specific physical forms to their worship, don't they? Uh, they want to have a, they've got a star. They've brought offerings with them to give as a gift. And they're coming to the religious leaders to look at a text. So you've got some basic marks of religion. They've got a belief, they've got a, a conviction or a desire they want to worship, and they've got physical forms that this worship shows up in. These are educated individuals. They're the experts. They're the intellectual elite of the ancient world, and they are relying on a star for worship, for their religion. You know, 50 years ago, uh, astrology in America, you know, everybody pooed it. Uh, they, they said, you know, what? What is this? You know, nobody, nobody uses astrology anymore for worship. Johannes Kepler told us that the stars were unreliable and science was, science was the way to go. And, and maybe some of you remember Carl Sagan saying, the universe is all there is and all there was and all there ever will be. That's how astrology was approached 50 years ago. And then now, now what do we have? Now you've got somebody like Chani Nicholas, who is an astrologer in Los Angeles, and he's saying there's something that's happened in the last, I don't know, 35 or so years that's given astrology an edginess, a relevance for this time and place that hasn't, it hasn't had for the last 35 years. Millennials have taken astrology and they've run with it. See what he's, what he's, he's getting at for us? He's saying, look, it's, it's really easy right now for you and I to say, I, I don't need religion. I can do without religion. Uh, I don't need, I don't need a, a, a church and I don't need all the buildings and I don't need all the forms and the symbols and the structure. That, that was an antiquated thing. And that, that's what we said 50 years ago about astrology. 
Now, now what are people saying? They're, they're all excited about the worship of stars. That everybody 50 years ago would have said, that's ridiculous. You know, and, and it's easy for you and I to look at our parents and say, oh, we're going to be better, smarter, faster than our parents. We understand forgiveness now. Or we understand family systems now. We understand the psychological interest that people have in religion. We're going to do it better and faster and, and, and smarter. And, and we might. We might do it better. But is that just because we're smarter? There's certainly a, a truth here. There's a principle here that if you tie yourself to the time, you're nothing but timely. But if you want to be eternally relevant, if you always want to have something to say, then you have to be timeless. And one of the things that's timeless in life is the outward expression of our worship. It's that we have a highest good in our life, and that good looks like a specific belief, it looks like a specific desire, and it takes specific shape and space and form. That's religion. That's what it is. And that's something that's been timeless. It's, it's always been relevant. And so today, the first thing that we learn from these magi is that religion is a real part of life. It's a real part of life. It's something that's going to be with us. And if you want to be timeless, if you want to be always relevant to the people around you, you might get ridiculed a little bit for a while, but there's always going to be religion as a real part of life. Now, what's this religion supposed to do? Uh, one of the things that people say religion does for us, uh, for the last, say, 100 years or so, people have been saying this is something that religion does, is directly addressed in this text. It's directly addressed in this lesson. Uh, king Herod heard that there was a newborn king of the Jews, and he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was disturbed with him. Now, that doesn't sound very good, does it? It sounds, sounds pretty, pretty tough. One of the things that people say to me quite often is, you know, if there was a God, and if that God is good and loving and caring, um, why are there earthquakes? Why are there poor people? Why are there homeless people? You know, why are there famines and disasters? I mean, why are all these things if, if there's a God? And what's the assumption behind that question? Part of the assumption is that religion is supposed to make the world a better place, isn't it? Religion should, should make the world uh, a better place. And that's not an, an uncommon or not an unpopular position. Um, you take somebody like uh, a, an, economist, an economist and a professor from George Mason named Tyler, and he says that he'd like to see the, the religion of Utah spread to basically the whole country because there's a lot less drug abuse and alcohol abuse and dysfunctional families there. Why is, what's, what's the goal? What, what does religion serve? Religion makes a world a better place, he's saying. And, and some of us, you know, we might be here because we say, look, I want my kids to, to get this moral instruction, you know, or I want to become a, a better person. And if that's why you're here, thank you, right? I mean, I'm, hey, 
I'm glad that you want to be a better person, and I'm glad that you think that being here makes you a better person. You know, it's certainly better than, than a, a lot of other things that you and I could do. But is that why the Magi, look at what God says through the Magi about why they were getting their religion. In verse 4 here, it says, Herod called together the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, Bethlehem in Judah, the prophets wrote. So what brought the Magi to Jesus? It, it, It wasn't a better life. It wasn't fixing the world's problems. It wasn't even a star. The pageants all get that wrong. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that. They, they think the star takes them the whole way there. Even Herod missed this. Even Herod did. Herod thought when he was deceived, he said, you know what, I can fix this. I can, I can fix this situation. Uh, Caesar is my highest good, and I'm going to do things to keep Caesar happy. And so he went out and he he killed all of the baby boys, and Herod was definitely convinced, if I do the good thing, then God is going to love me and accept me, and he'll be okay with me. And, and, and the Jewish religious leaders, they missed it too. Isn't this crazy? You think Jewish religious leaders, if anybody should get what religion's about, it should be them. But here they've got these wise experts, these intellectuals that have come from the East to them, and they're saying, well... Where's the king of the Jews? Where is he born? And and they they say, oh, he's in Bethlehem. See you later. Have a nice day. They they definitely thought that, that, hey, if there's a God out there, he loves me and he accepts me and everything's going to be okay. But where did the wise men get their news about Jesus? Where did they get their direction for their religion? From the word Right, the, the religious experts, they went to the Bible. It says, this is what the prophet said, that he'll be born in Bethlehem in Judea. And they followed that word, and the star went with them, and they got to the house, and they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. They were like a bunch of kids on Christmas morning, all giddy. You know, my kids, they came up on Christmas morning, Dad, Dad, wake up! And I'm like, no, don't bother me. I just want to sleep. Right? But my kids are sitting there, wake up, wake up, we got to open the presents. And, and, and this is the, is, that's what my Bible says that the, the, uh, the Magi did. Actually, it doesn't say that, right? But it does say, it does say, they rejoiced in exceedingly great and excessive joy. Your Bible says that they were overjoyed, but, but Matthew was so excited, he was like, they were joyed with a joy, joy, joy. They, they had so much joy to come a- and see this baby. You know, and it's, that's what religion is, is for. If you're here so that, so that your kids get good moral instruction, look, I'm glad. Thanks for doing that. That's, that's good. And if you're here so that you're a better person, okay, that's, that's fine too. But at some point, it has to switch. It needs to become this. You need to say, look, I'm a mess. My life's a mess. I'm a, I'm a mess. My heart's a mess. And God, he wants to to forgive me and accept me and approve of me and welcome me into his family so that I have joy that knows no limits. God wants me to be like a child on Christmas morning who is giddy beyond belief to open the presents because he has given me his son. 
that's, that's what it's here for, right? Religion is here so that your heart feels joy, so that when you are forgiven by God and you stand just and righteous and holy in front of Him, you have a joy that knows no ends, no limits. And you know how that can happen? You know how that can happen? It's so cool uh, the, that the Magi figure that out. They get to have this happen to them. That's what the end of this lesson's all about. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they returned I want you to think about the last, say, one to three-year-old that you hung out with. You got a one to three-year-old that you hung out with recently? What do you want to do with that one to three-year-old? So, you know, my, my son's four, I, I mean, with him, I want to wrestle. I don't know, that kid, man, I just, he makes you want to wrestle. And my little one, I want to snuggle him and, and kiss him and love him. I mean, that's, that's what I want to do with him. Uh, the, these magi... What do they do? They give him gifts, they, they, they worship him. They bow down and they worship him. Their hearts, are, their hearts are so filled. Their hearts are so filled, they're overwhelmed. They, they, they give him gifts, they give him their lives. They're filled with joy and awe and wonder. There is nothing better. And, and he just, he received them. He accepted them. It didn't matter that they were astrologers and they had probably worshipped pagan gods and idols their whole lives. He was glad to have them. Right? This is the message of, of Christmas right here. This is how Christmas makes a difference. False religion, religiosity is always going to tell you there's something left for you to do. You've got to keep working harder and harder and harder to make your world right and a better place. And God's way, the gospel is always going to tell you, you are accepted and you are forgiven. And here's Jesus. He's done it all for you. And there is nothing else in the whole world that's going to tell you that, hey, you're, you're forgiven. Let your heart be filled with joy. Have a peace that is incredible because here it is. There's nothing left for you to do. You're done. You think, Every other thing in this world that you can worship. I mean, what happened with your, with your kids or your grandkids on Christmas Day? You gave them the presents, and then they turned around, and 30 seconds later, what did they say to you? Are there more? Are there more? Can we open another one? And then they went digging downstairs for more gifts. Here Jesus says to them, it's done. You don't need to keep giving me gifts. Go home. Go home and, and, and be with your people and tell them about the great things you've seen. This is Christmas. This is what Christmas does. It changes your whole religion. Um, what's the greatest gift you gave this Christmas? The best gift that I saw given this Christmas, and I'll admit that I'm a little bit biased in it, okay? So, a um, couple days before Christmas, my son goes, and uh, he goes with my, my wife to go Christmas shopping. Uh, and he comes back, and he says, Dad, I got a great Christmas present for you. I'm like, Yes! So then Christmas Day, he says, Dad, open this. Okay, open it. I got a cap gun. I haven't gotten a cap gun in like 25 years, right? I got a cap gun for Christmas. I am pumped about this. My son says, Dad, Dad, let's go outside and shoot it. I'm like, okay, great. Right. We can't shoot the gun. I said, we don't have caps. 
Okay, well, let's go to the store right now and go buy some. And I said, it's Christmas Day, son. The stores are closed. We can't go buy them. Okay, fine. So we wait the next day. Morning, he wakes up and says, all right, we got to go buy caps right now. Come on, let's go. So we go to the store and we go buy caps. And he says, all right, Dad, I'll shoot it for us. I'll show it how it works. So he pulls out the gun, you know, he starts trying to shoot. And I'm like, all right, I don't know, it's not working. We try to figure out why it's not working. Get him to work. Okay, it works now. So he shoots, I shoot it a couple times. Okay, he shoots it again, shoots, shoots, shoots. And then you know what he does? He takes it and he goes, puts it in his backpack. And then a couple days later, we go to see Grandma and Grandpa, and he's, he's still got the gun in his backpack. And I'm thinking, this is my gun, son. You gave it to me. It's in your backpack, though, right? We get to Grandpa's house, and he pulls it out. He says, Grandpa, I got to show you this gun. It's really cool. Let's go shoot it. So we take it outside, you know, and go show Grandpa how to shoot the gun. And I don't really shoot the gun. He shoots the gun, right? That's, that's, that's my Christmas gift. What God has done for you in Christmas it is so much more than that. You come to God with your offerings, and you say, here, God, here are my offerings. And God says, look, I've got the best gift ever for you. Go give your offerings to somebody else who needs them. And, and you come to God and say, God, I accept you. I love you. I, you know, I, I want to be with you, God. And God says, I accept you. You're the greatest thing ever in my world. Here's my son. Now go and accept somebody else. And you say to God, God, I love you. I love you with my whole heart. And God says to you, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. Now go love somebody else. Friends, that's Christmas. The gifts that you give God, he, he gives right back to you and he says, go give to somebody else. And so I want to invite you this, this Christmas, uh, uh, this new year, to do something with me. Let's, let's give some great gifts this year. Um, I'm really thankful for you on the, as we roll into this new year, and, and I'm really proud of you. Uh, this, this last year, I got the, the financial report. We had a, a, a wonderful year, very blessed. Not only are we in the black, but uh, we received as gifts and offerings gifts beyond, beyond uh, the budget even. We were, we were blessed that way. We have more money coming in than even we expected to receive. Thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a true sign of how God is at work in you. Now we have a great opportunity. Let's give some great gifts. God says, here's the greatest gift that you could ever imagine, you could ever want. My forgiveness, my love, and my acceptance in the person of Jesus Christ. Now take this gift and, and give it to people who need it. And would you do that with me this, this year? Let's give some people great gifts. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that uh, you have given us the very best gift that we could ever imagine. And we repent that um, oftentimes our hearts are unwilling, uh, they're, they're, they're greedy, they're selfish, they're unwilling to express the incredible love and acceptance and forgiveness that you've shown us. We are, we're afraid of making a, a confession to the world that we believe you, that we worship you, and that there are certain physical things like giving gifts, uh, worshiping, singing praises, gathering with other people. There are certain physical things that show you are our Lord and God. And we repent of that unwillingness. And we ask that you would, would give us Jesus not only as a, a status as sons, but as an experience in our hearts and our lives so that we overflow with generosity to the people around us. Lord, lead us this year to give great gifts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.